Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Transforming Trauma, I'm Eve. In my day job as a clinical social worker, it's all about problem solving and supporting people through major life transitions. I am driven by my belief in the healing power of our relationships with each other and with caring professionals. On this show, you'll hear from many colleagues and courageous trauma survivors who have chosen to share their stories of recovery. They believe, just as I do, that it's time for a new narrative about sexual violence that does not require survivors to perform victimhood. Our hope is that sharing their stories will be helpful to you, the listener. We've often changed their names and taken steps to make sure they feel protected. I'm humbled by the opportunity to host them and hope you'll hear yourself in these conversations and realize you're not as alone in the struggle. Maybe it'll inspire you to connect with someone you love about your own recovery. Transforming Trauma is presented in partnership with Rachel Grant Coaching, and more resources can be found at rachelgrantcoaching.com. Now on to the show. I'm very excited to have you here with me and my guest, Kaylee Murphy, who will be sharing with us her story of hope and empowerment. You'll gain encouragement and insight around transforming pain into poetry and how reconnecting with our creative essence can be a gateway to healing, connection, and freedom. First, I'd like to tell you a little about my guest, Kaylee. Kaylee Murphy is a creative, sensitive soul devoted to supporting others and connecting with their bodies, unlocking their wisdom, and living their deepest devotion. She recently released her first published book of poetry titled Between Me and My Bones, Poems for the Perseverant Heart. She is also the creator of Moon Body Living, where she offers one-on-one embodiment coaching and meditations rooted in somatic and spiritual exploration. So without further ado, welcome Katie to Transforming Trauma. Hi. (laughs) Thank you. 
So to get us started, I'd love to just invite you to share a little bit about your healing journey and where you're at today. <sighs> taking a breath. Um, yeah, I've, I feel I've been on a healing path for over 10 years now, and it started pretty much right before we met, <laughs> where I was at the University of Notre Dame. Um, and this was a path that you know, I was following all the things that society says we should do, going to a very good college, studying business. Um, my family, my dad and my grandpa all went there. So there was also this familial connection there. And I spent since I was a little girl, it was like, this is my destiny. This is where I'm supposed to go. And then once I got there, I realized it wasn't my path. And combined with that was a lot of internal struggle and suffering. My mental health was really um, impacted. I, towards the end, it was very dark for me. Uh, everything around me was falling apart as everything inside of me was falling apart too so I couldn't keep up the grades anymore I couldn't go to class my friendships were difficult to maintain uh, and I was really in the grips of an eating disorder and self-harm and just depression um, and anxiety and something within me which is that wise intuitive voice that I believe we all had said leave drop out of college, which was something that I thought I would never do because it was this dream that I uh, thought I had to follow. And when I left, I felt pretty broken at the time and lost. And I came back to Long Island and my mom, who had been on a spiritual path for a few years, recommended that I go to the Omega Institute which is where I met you, Jocelyn. And that beautiful place for people who don't know, it's a holistic learning center. There's lots of teachers that come in and there are workshops every week and weekend. And it's just a beautiful community of people that I feel are thinking outside the box, are... Um, on an internal journey and also wanting to be of service to others. And I was exposed to so many different forms of spirituality and meditation and different lifestyles, like people just living very differently than what I had been told was like, this is the path. And I went back there for I, gosh, I don't even know how many seasons, maybe six or six. Yeah, it was a lot of seasons over the years. Uh, and maybe it was five, but somewhere around five or six. And, and then even too, when I wasn't there, I was traveling, living at other uh, centers. But, and I write this in the book, even though I have spent a lot of my 20s because I'm 30 now, traveling and exploring and going to these different places what I'm most interested in is the internal journey that I've been on um, 
because even, you know, there were times I was in Greece or Chile, like it was more what's happening within me at any moment. And I've been on a journey of recovery in many different forms, which has included eating disorder and addiction, recovery from traumas that I've been through and recovery also with uh, dealing with a chronic condition. And for me, where that's landed me today is I'm in Boulder, Colorado, which is also quite a Mecca for different viewpoints and spirituality and all of these things. Uh, And I'm lately have been turning my attention towards how can I be of service? Like, I feel like I've been given so much and have really learned a lot on my path. And now it's like, how can I offer that back to others? And this book is a way that I've done that where I, all of these poems were written throughout this journey that I just talked about starting in my early twenties. And now I'm a decade later, 30. And it was really taking like a lot of my writing came from painful moments in my life and needing a space to process and to feel and to experience whatever was present and asking to be seen in each moment. And so the book, it's kind of crazy that it's just to be able to hold it in my hands and see it all together. But I didn't write these poems. Yeah, and seeing you hold it. I didn't write these poems with the intention of like, I'm going to make a book one day. It was more, I need an outlet for what is happening within my, it's titled Between Me and My Bones, The Spaces Between My Bones, like what was happening so deep within me and really like reclaiming my voice too. That's been a big part of my healing journey is reconnecting back to like, what is my voice not the voice that I've been told or how I should be or what I was conditioned or even like how painful and traumatic experiences have shaped my lack of speech or like how I think it's okay to speak, but more letting myself be messy and human and authentic. So that's, that's some of my journey. I thought this might happen to me. I'm just really at a loss of of words. It's such a unique experience to be here, um, both around the same age, more or less, and having met in our early 20s um, at such a particularly potent, ripe and vulnerable time in our respective healing journeys. Um, It's like kind of surreal to to look at you and to see, you know, (laughs) (laughs) to see like how your essence is the same and how your your voice is is clear and and powerful and that uh, the timing of 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 meeting just sort of being on on our respective journeys but crossing paths it's hard to sort of wrap my mind around the small and little like ways that we each mm-hmm. show up like on our own, our own <laughs> time. And it, it was particularly meaningful to, to, to meet you and to feel both your support, but also your, your quiet strength. And like, it was like, we were there, but not, 
<laughs> not entangled in the way that a lot of I think friendships can feel like when you're going through the ringer yeah felt like there was this like really special trust in each other's resilience that is really unique for for, for me and so it is it is truly an honor to get to hear more about where you've been and where you're at today so thank you for sharing your a piece of your story thank you yeah I feel the same way it's just so cool to be like <laughs> yeah there can be that spaciousness and then that reconnection and spaciousness and it's really beautiful that dance yeah so knowing what it's like to go through the ups and downs of trauma recovery and, and healing I, I wondered if you might speak to maybe something that's been a challenging part of you're, you know, publishing your first book, which congratulations, I got to go to your kind of opening book launch talk and immediately ordered this copy afterwards and have been savoring each page. Admittedly, I, I like didn't want to, <laughs> to finish. So I, I have not finished. And I feel good about that. Because you know, that feeling when you don't want something to end, like I'm really cherishing the, the pages and I don't know. I'm, I'm curious <laughs> to learn more about it. So please share what you feel inclined to share. Yeah, of course. I appreciate you saying the savoring. That means a lot to me when people are, people have messaged me saying they're taking their time with it or like reading a poem a day. And it's like, yeah, I, you can have this be whatever you want it to be. So with the publishing the book, one of the challenges I love, I'm really interested in parts work and I'll name the different parts that, that come up and engage with them. And it helps me to create some like spaciousness and a relationship to whatever part is arising or sometimes there's many parts dancing about. Uh, and- Can you say a little bit what you mean when you say parts? I think I know, but just- Yeah, and I've read a little bit um, and studied a bit because I've studied psychology, mm-hmm. internal family systems, and I believe Richard Swartz is the creator mm-hmm. of it. And there are these different parts within us that often are trying to protect us and keep us safe, but sometimes cause a lot of turmoil within us. So I feel part of my path is befriending these parts. And one of them is perfectionism. And that part came up really strongly with this book. And there would be these moments where like, I just couldn't figure out how to do something or like the cover wasn't perfect or this poem wasn't, whatever wasn't perfect. And I would get into this state of overwhelm. Like my nervous system would get really riled up and I'd feel a bit out of control to be honest Mm -hmm. and I felt the pressure coming from the perfectionist part of like we need to figure this out now and it needs to be perfect and I had that happen a few times before really pausing and being like okay I need to step away and look inside and see what is asking to be seen, to be befriended, healed. And what I realized with the perfectionism, and this has been with, I mean, I was 
very like high functioning in school, all A's, like the perfectionism part has always been there, uh, at least since I can remember from pretty young. But I could see that this part was really just trying to keep me safe because it thought, well, if we do everything perfectly, if the book is perfect or going back to my you know, high school years, if I get all the perfect grades, then we'll be safe and we'll be loved and we'll be validated. People will celebrate us. When I say us, I'm talking about myself and the parts. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, it was really a dance for me of learning to not resist that this part was here, but more to see how I could embrace it and even work with it because I it has helped me and it, it did help me write the book and put it out into the world. And there were certain moments where I was like, okay, I need to let go for a bit and just surrender and like step away from the book or the whatever I was doing on the computer for the book and just get out in nature and resource myself. And, and so I learned about this dance of like, surrender and action of like when to let go and be like things aren't to just trust really like to just trust that even if I step away and that that time going out into nature I love going by the creek like being near the creek or the mountains that's just as much part of birthing this book it's not all like on the computer putting the manuscript together, having everything be mm -hmm. just how I want it. And then also embracing messiness. Like part of the book is, is very human to me. It's talking about my struggles and, and, and celebrations and all everything in between the joy and the pain and to allow the book itself to be imperfectly perfect and know that that is enough because I know one of my core wounds is like, I'm not enough. It's never enough. And that is just reinforced through perfectionism of like, we're just never <laughs> enough. Mm -hmm. But what's beautiful is I do, I can witness these parts. I can laugh about it at times and, and move through it, move through the messiness. Like that's just part of life, I feel. So that was... That's what I'll say about that. <laughs> it seems exactly what was most challenging. It's also likely like such a strength of your work is that yeah. it's a <laughs> experience to be human is to be navigating the messy terrain of, as you say so eloquently, like the daily, the daily struggle of it's not just the ups and downs of life. It's a daily experience of letting go and surrendering I think that even getting on this this podcast today you know I'm sure we've had our own iterations of, of that so really appreciate your your sharing that and also mo modeling that um, through letting us see that that part of your life and history which is you know not something that everyone does mm -hmm. that we still live in a society where we try to only showcase the highlights real and yeah. <laughs> my mentor Rachel says compare our bloopers to other people's highlights um, I love so, that yeah. yeah 
Yeah. So tell me, what was one of the most rewarding parts of, of publishing your writing and sharing it so far? Yeah. I seeing it in other people's hands has been really beautiful. A lot of people have sent me pictures of it and just seeing someone physically like hold it because they're it feels like they're holding a piece of my heart in their hands and that feels so special and I specifically like I didn't want to make it a uh, like the Kindle type books like I loved the the feeling of like actually holding the book and like having it be something that someone could put near their nightstand or on their bookshelf or give it to someone else. It feels just so beautiful to me and the support to that. And I've never released a book and I've been sharing my poems here and there on social media but to see people show up like at this poetry event that you briefly spoke about, I had it over Zoom and so many people from all walks of my life were there. Like my grandma spoke and friends from Omega and, and Boulder. And yeah, I was so, as someone who like, I really shy away from being this having the attention on me I can be pretty introverted and quieter by nature to see that I could do that and I could take up space and and receive love and give love it really opened my heart to like new possibilities in my life it's really beautiful I think at that event, you mentioned that like learning how to publish a book was also like a process. And mm -hmm. I imagine from a lot of survivors I know and love and have worked with over the years, mm -hmm. like a lot of people these days, especially in the kind of aftermath of Me Too, like would like to share their stories. And yeah. is there any anything you could say about that process, about learning and how that was both challenging and rewarding to learn and master, so to speak? Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the things that I realized is how important it is to lean on support and not do it alone. And cause I did do a lot of it alone and that was challenging. I noticed that there were certain people who had published books before me who had self-published like me and there was some fear around like asking them for that support so I would tell people who are looking to publish to ask for support that it's okay and towards the end I definitely did I realized like okay I need more support with this and my friend liked to call it that I had many midwives who were helping me birth this book into the world and less so with like helping me figure out how to get my manuscript done and more of the technical stuff. It was more the emotional part of like what was coming up inside of me that I did need more support with and people to 
help me. Like I'd get on the phone with someone and just be crying or overwhelmed in the end yeah they would help me breathe and just come back into the moment because I did have a date that I wanted to publish it by which was before my 30th birthday in July and I think that also created some pressure of like I need to get this done by this time and so I'd also say like if if you can, letting that date be fluid can be helpful. Uh, there's just so much I learned and and yet I feel grateful for each of these parts of like, okay, I uh, I learned from that and from that because it's just part of the process and and anytime, I think it's so brave to do something for the first time. <laughs> And there's just naturally like, I think of it, I love the spiral image instead of like the staircase where it's like, even when I felt like I was going backwards and like spiraling in the other direction, that it was just always leading me closer and closer to the release of the book. Uh, Yeah. And I would say, again, just trusting that process of like the windy path that it is to publish because it's at least my experience of it is it's not super linear and like just check all the boxes. There was a lot more that needed to be, especially those emotions to just be felt and not rush through that. Mm, There's so much in there. The spiral image definitely resonates and it's something that I find myself referencing a lot with myself and with with clients around like that feeling of I've been here, I'm back, I've kind of regressed or gone backwards, or I'm not feeling that progress or healing momentum. And yet to recognize like the space between the rings, like what is different now? And um, I think that that's so, so useful to be reminded of and to hear exactly like how even the process of publishing the book is a reflection of you're learning to embrace the messiness and the letting go. Mm-hmm. Just It seems like that's like this real thread that mm-hmm. has brought you here and that this is your first podcast recording and yeah. how about that is so meaningful. Like the first time you do anything, um, yeah. I feel like I told you this is my first time using this, this mic and it's just like anytime it's the first, it's so true. However small, it's a big deal. Yeah. It, it marks some sort of risk, but I don't know what this mic is going to do. If it's going to start squeaking yeah. or like fire is going to come out of it. Like you, you don't know until you try. Yeah. Until you try it. And that's what it, this whole process, I've just felt very brave, like doing the hard things. Mm-hmm. Love Glennon Doyle. We can do hard things. So kind of building on that, you've shared I mean, Glennon Doyle, writing, nature, internal family systems. Mm-hmm. Sounds like your support system and friends and writers have been like influential for you. Are there, are there any particular resources that you would like to highlight that have been significant in your healing? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is therapy. <laughs> I, I like therapy works. Yeah, I've done a lot of therapy, but what's been really uh, 
interesting to me lately is more somatic based therapy and embodiment work and whether that's therapy or coaching. <clears throat> I, there's only so much for me that I can do cognitively. Like I need to feel it in and through the body for healing to happen. And I actually found like in a lot of first, when I was getting into spirituality and yoga and Buddhism, it was like, okay, I need to transcend the body, like up and out. <laughs> and there's been this shift where I'm realizing it's, it's in and through it's, it's each day, like my practices lately have been around really leaning into and fostering a sense of safety within my own body and my own being because I I have just experiences of of not feeling safe and then I deal with a chronic pain and fatigue syndrome that is related to the nervous system and is related to trauma and things like that and so being able to really pause and feel my breath a lot of like you'll see my hands on my heart like just mm -hmm. loving touch has been so powerful and like movement and I my body can't move in the same ways that it used to uh because of some of the chronic pain and that's been hard and there's been grief there. And at the same time, I found new ways to, to express. And that may look like sitting down and just moving my arms and my body. Like it doesn't have to be, it's really letting go of what I think it should be and just meeting my body as it is in each moment. And even with my therapist, we've been doing EMDR work. And so, um, that's also just been a powerful way to to release and it's also very like body centered for mm -hmm. me um so bringing the body into everything is and that's what I feel like art and creative expression also does that because I'm moving and I'm creating and I'm getting into this space of playfulness and and sometimes it doesn't feel like that like I'll whether I'm painting or writing or playing an instrument, like the critic can come up and the perfectionist and like, I hate this, like this doesn't look good. And I've been working with just creating for creation, like without a purpose mm -hmm. of like, let me just write to write and paint to paint and like have no kind of agenda of it needing to be the next painting that's hanging in a museum or something like mm -hmm. and even since with the book like allowing myself to write without an agenda of like oh I need to publish another book <laughs> you I have say. a painting in a museum but I don't no, know I'm saying like <laughs> yeah I'm that good <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised you're a woman of many many talents but but truly I think for listeners to to realize that like I think of a poet as like more of a quieter introvert and you've just sort of brought in like how critical your relationship to your body is not just to probably your your healing and recovery but to your creativity and your your life source I, I love that yeah yeah it's all interwoven and 
and just not seeing my body so much as a burden, but rather this place where like birthing happens Mm -hmm. and birthing of whatever our, you know, creative express, like I think creative, like we're all kind of artists in a way. It's Mm -hmm. just what we choose to paint the world with. And like a mathematician is painting the world with math to me, like it and numbers, like it's not, I think we all have that, that creative spark inside of us. It just, we've been told like, this is what an artist is. This is a poet. And I like to like kind of dissolve some of that and stay a bit open and curious of like, for a while, it was really hard for me to call myself a poet. Like I just didn't, it's like, I can't call myself a poet. And it's like, you, you can call yourself a poet if you want. <laughs> That's okay to do. When, when you said the museum comment, I thought the end of your sentence was going to be like hanging on someone's walls. So it <laughs> kind of speaks to what you're saying. Like yeah. you decide what the museum is, that mm-hmm. having your book held in your loved one's hands is rewarding just as having something you make at home for, you know, your, your niece or your friend Mm -hmm. is also rewarding. And where do, where do we derive that sense of creativity and value and and how much of our healing is about sharing it? Like Mm -hmm. you talked about being of service and Mm -hmm. it just is incredible to recognize even in your initial like entry to spirituality and learning retreat centers like that you sort of still had this thread that was pulling you towards service even when maybe you were in the midst of your own kind of disorientation and I don't know what you'd call it following a break breaking open breaking open yeah 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 it is it's like it feels a little bit like the service piece is uh it's an edge for me because I do love to, as I said, just be more quieter and introverted. And then I also see the value in like sharing. Um, And sometimes it's just sharing with yourself, but I do feel like there is value in sharing it with others and taking that, that next step when you feel ready for it, you know, it doesn't have to be, and it could even just be, I'm going to share this poem with someone I love Mm -hmm. you know it doesn't have to be on Facebook or something (laughs) Um, did you discover all these different healing and art modalities through your recovery or was that at an early age I'd love to know Mm -hmm. like how you learned that you could sing or dance or paint (laughs) yeah I mean I think that was there when I was younger and I really feel like it got sucked out of me I mean, I think it was still there, but it just was buried and being, putting so much of my focus on like getting into Notre Dame and school and being that high performing student, it's like, oh, there's not time for creativity. And so I really didn't consider myself a very creative being. And it wasn't until going to Omega and being around a lot of artists and people who were just playing the guitar on the field or uh, singing at an open mic that I started to recognize that like I wanted that too. And I remember I'm having a memory right now now of being in high school and we'd have these open mic nights and I would go sometimes and I'd feel such envy of like seeing these people up on stage 
and being like, I, there's something, there's some charge there that like, I want to do things like that too, but really feeling like that wasn't accessible to me at that time. And I find envy to be a very powerful ignition or like ignite. Mm -hmm. It can spark something because when we're willing to look at like our envy and jealousy and things like that and go within instead of looking outwards, Mm -hmm. (laughs) it reveals underneath that envy, at least my experience of it is desire, desire for something. And I had a desire to to create a relationship with the creative voice within me. And that's very much been part of my path. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and I would say too, like being in recovery, especially with the eating disorder, I remember when I was at a treatment center, like we had a dance, like I think we did it like twice a month where this dance teacher would come and we just move our bodies and it was so fun. And then we'd have an art therapist come who would paint with us and do different collages. And those were always my favorite parts because I felt an aliveness within myself because what I was doing with the eating was numbing myself. So creativity to me is like, it's the antidote because it's aliveness, it's pleasure, it's joy. So yeah, I'd say that my recovery journey also uh, has been a piece of this as well. Mm -hmm. That so resonates and is so different than how talk therapy used to be Mm -hmm. so cerebral. And even still, a lot of ways people practice. um, In recent years, I've encountered more yoga movement therapists who are like, I'm getting rid of my chairs, like, mm-hmm. you know, screw, screw talking. So I, I love, I mean, in the seminal book, The Body Keeps Score, just the emphasis on holistic modalities and that there's not a one size fits all. So you had this like natural inclination and strength um, towards expressing yourself. And it seems like through exposure and also just perseverance, you found your way back to those maybe initial gifts that you you have. Yeah, yeah definitely. It's kind of building on your memory from high school. Like if you think about a younger version of yourself at different, whatever age comes to mind, is there an, a, a message that you'd send to that younger Kaylee? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I would let her know that it's okay and safe to feel. I'm sensitive and I feel a lot. I feel the, the joy, I feel the ache, all of it. And as a child, I I feel I received messages of like, don't cry, like be quiet. Like it's to, you know, not to allow myself because feeling is also expression too. It's like Mm -hmm. allowing whatever wants to move through to be experienced. And yeah, I felt like I had to numb those parts pretty early on, which is probably why I turned to eating disorder behaviors. One of the reasons (laughs) 
is just like, oh, it's not okay to feel these, these big feelings. And I just have so much love for little Kaylee, like figuring out how to be human and like, Mm. okay, I guess even to this day I have, cause I, I now love to cry. Like I cry all the time and I cry too joyfully as well. Like I'm someone who like, when I'm struck with joy, will be like laughing and crying at the same time. And there's, I notice in our culture, there can be this like, oh, I'm not going to cry. Don't cry. Or like in a television show, they'll be like, oh, I'm crying. Like I need to stop. And I don't think there's anything wrong with crying. Like let's feel our feelings. It's, it's medicine. And so I would, that's what I would say to, to little Kaylee and also just keep playing, keep, keep being you uh yeah Mm. when we met you were working with children and Mm -hmm. it all kind of makes sense that (laughs) you know the way we often heal is through that inner child work and being able to to befriend our younger selves and I love just even seeing and hearing the way you expressed that compassion I mean I think that really is a reflection of the work that you have done and continue to do. That's not easy to mm-hmm. to relate to our most vulnerable parts with with such mm-hmm. kindness. So thank you for sharing. And I wish we had so much more time. Mm-hmm. I swear I could ask you so many <laughs> questions, and I feel like we're hardly scratching the surface of this this book. So I hope it's a good <laughs> teaser, really, for people yeah. who are interested to know more about your story and the places you've gone internally like you said mm-hmm. um it's incredible when you mentioned like all how the you've traveled and spent years at these incredible places and and yet it's so true like that your writing is really focused internally and I think that's such a a bit powerful statement because I honestly when you first shared I was like oh, I wish I had gone to five seasons at Omega or traveled to Greece yeah. or per, you know wherever and it's like that envy right yeah that that desire like I want I want that and what is that you know to look back inside and say what what is it there it's the it's the growth and the healing being transformed into in and out like you said what did you say through in and through through. and I also will say about that I love I forget who said it but it's like wherever you go there you are I just, it's so true. Like I was still the same me in Chile that like, you know, and just, it's very humbling to see that like, oh, I can't like run away from myself. Cause there was a little bit of that going on in my early. Oh, I know. I know that it's not me. I'm going to just change my external environment, leave jobs, partners, transfer college. So I think you and I are more (laughs) similar than we are different. All of us. Yeah. Um, So I guess to, to close for today, I, I would love to have you back on to get even more into the, the transforming pain into power and purpose the way you so beautifully do. Just to invite you to say a few words about what does transforming trauma mean to you? What comes to mind? Yeah, what, what comes to mind is a line from one of my poems that says, there is gold in the ache. And 
I believe that to be true. And that's something that I'll like recite to myself. And I often, I'll speak for myself, I find this with a lot of people, like we just want the gold, like we want the transformation of the Mm -hmm. trauma. The part of the process is being with that ache. It's what I talked about, like befriending what is present, what needs to be healed and seen and, and to allow ourselves to like break and just not because we're broken. I believe that we are innately whole. It's more just to allow the breaking open of the heart to experience the pain and then to allow it to be like churned and transformed and composted. And I feel my book is a living testament to that. It's like so much of this, like I just had like a binge and like felt horrible in my body and would get my pen out and start writing and a poem would come through and like that something beautiful would come from this just like really achingly painful experience uh, because I was willing to like go into it. And, and I also feel like it's about being like the own, like transforming trauma is about being the alchemist of our lives of like, allowing ourselves to to transform that and then be of service and give it back and but I I just would say to anyone who's like in it to just give yourself grace if you are in the muck of it and and if you are just at the ache and you don't feel the gold like I so get it I've been there I have moments today where I'm still like I'm in the ache and just to really allow and accept that that's where you're at uh, and not forcing like I spent a lot of time trying to like force the transformation to happen before it was ready before the blossoming was ready I just wrote gold in the ache and alchemy of our lives I think if you ever do start your own podcast or meditation center I think you might have some some words and titles already yeah I am thinking about a podcast is it's going on in my heart and mind right now some ideas so we'll see (laughs) that's beautiful well I want to thank you Kaylee for being you and sharing your voice and story Um, you can contact Kaylee at Kaylee at moonbodyliving.com and learn more about her on her website moonbodyliving.com or follow her on Instagram at moonbodyliving Um, So thank you for tuning in and joining us today. And don't forget to subscribe to rachelgrantcoaching.com. You can learn more about sexual abuse recovery coaching and explore other resources available on the site. And please don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. We have much more to share. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.